You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. How are you doing? Amazing. Amazing. Why is that? I don't know. Life's good. Life is good. Yeah. Not as good as it was a couple months ago, but it's good. No, still healthy, still here. Still feeling good. We're going to be talking about sexual personality types today. How would you describe my sexual personality? Uh, Adventurous, um, wanting pleasure, (laughs) wanting an orgasm. (laughs) Yes, greedy. greedy. Yes, thank you. And me? You. You, you're a giver. Which is nice, but also it can be annoying. Uh, yes, and we've had that conversation before. I'm surprised you didn't say annoying for mine. I don't know why I always just think I'm annoying because generally. Because that always ends well. <laughs> How are you in bed? You're annoying. Do I annoy you in bed? No, you don't annoy me. Do I, I tap on your shoulder while you're sleeping? <laughs> I like... say tap on something else. No. no. On your flap of skin? Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I would say um, you're very open. Okay. And I would also say that you... I don't know the the adjective for it, but you you push through sort of like even if if it doesn't work out in the first five seconds, you kind of work at it. Does that like I don't want to say how do I say it? Listen, I'm struggling here, but I think that you put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, we've been there before where you have not been in the mood or perhaps been in the mood initially and then fallen out of the mood. And I'm then, like that. Yeah. I'll be like, and no, then, it's not working. Uh, <laughs> or you haven't said anything. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not into this anymore. So I do think that I'll make a second or third effort to try and get us there. So now we've broadly and kind of messily described our sexual really. personality types. But now let's figure out what our actual sexual personality types are. Before we invite our guest on to join us, I want to shout out letsgetcheck.com. They offer online from a distance tests for everything from STIs to thyroid to hormone levels. They mail you the kit, you collect the sample yourself, you mail it back in a prepaid package, and you get your results online. So you can check out my unique URL, which is try lgc.com slash Dr. Jess, but that's kind of complicated. If you just go to letsgetcheck.com to order, you can use code Dr. Jess, D-R-J-E-S-S, at checkout. Joining us today is Vanessa Marin, a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sex therapy. She offers a range of online programs, and she is the creator of the 11 Sex personality types. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to get to talk to you guys. Well, I think I should ask, if you don't mind, do you know your own sex personality type? I do. I have a couple of them. (laughs) So when I made the model, I get a little attached to each type. So I kind of see myself in a lot of them, but I have a few that definitely come up more for me, much more than others. All right, shall we start with yours as you walk us through the 11 sex personality types? 
Sure. So I can give you first a quick overview of, you know, what the purpose of this model is. So what I wanted to do was help people get a better sense of what they're looking for when it comes to sex. Because I think, you know, we can say everyone wants to have great sex, but like, what does that actually mean? And I think the reality is that it's so different for each person. There are different things that we're looking to experience. And I really wanted to give people just a practical, fun, playful model for them to explore their sexuality and to open up conversations with their partner. Um, I definitely know that this is a topic that can be challenging to talk about for a lot of people. So I just wanted it to feel fun and playful and you know, an easier way to open the conversation. So I came up with these 11 different personality types. And again, the basic idea behind it is this is what you're really looking to experience during sex. This is what makes sex great to you. So there are two um, types in particular that I really resonate with. Um, the first one is called the explorer. So for the explorer, sex feels like your playground. You're all about being able to explore and experience different things. Um, and you just really like that element of you know, the unknown. So that's definitely one that comes up for me a lot. And then I am also a different type called the prioritizer. And so for the prioritizer, what you're really looking for is to know that sex is something that you and your partner are willing to prioritize in your lives, um, that you want to make sure you make the space and the time to connect with each other instead of, you know, most of us feel like we're really busy all the time, we get tired, sex just doesn't, you know, it feels like it slips to the bottom of our to-do list. So for me, I really want to feel like that's something that's important for me and my husband Xander that we're making that space in our lives for it rather than just letting it go neglected. I love that. I mean, <laughs> as you go through these, I have a feeling that most of us would be hopeful to draw from each of them. So can can you walk us through the other nine? Yeah, I can give you a quick rundown of each. So we, one that we have is the decompressor. So for the decompressor, sex is all about stress relief. So sex is the way that you blow off steam, you unwind, and you like that experience after sex, maybe just as much as, if not more, as liking the sex itself, because you just really enjoy that relaxation that you get afterwards. Um, another type is the fair trader. So for the fair trader, generosity is the most important quality of sex. So you want to know that there's a balance between giving and receiving between you and your partner. And I like to contrast the fair trader with a different type that I call the giver. So for the giver, they're really into giving. You know, sex and pleasure is like a gift that they can give to their partner. And so for the giver, they are so focused on the giving that the receiving just isn't as powerful powerful and impactful for them. Um, another type is the guardian. And for the guardian, safety and security is the utmost of the utmost importance during sex. So you really like having this foundation of security with your partner, making sure that you're being clear about enthusiastic consent and boundaries. So is that that you, you seek safety and security through sex or you uphold safety and security as the foundation of sex? Oh, that's a really good clarification question. It's that you uphold the safety and security as the foundation. That's something that needs to be in place for you in order for you to feel like you can really let yourself go and, and be in that moment during sex. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And then next up, we have the passion pursuer. So for the passion pursuer, you really like sex to feel all-encompassing, intense, very passionate, maybe even a little bit animalistic. So it's really that idea of kind of losing yourself in the moment and letting go. 
And that one is, yeah, (laughs) I think a lot of people can relate to that one. I definitely have have some of that myself. Um, And that one's an interesting one to contrast with the pleasure seeker, where for them, it's, it's really much more about the pure physical pleasure of sex. So it's not as much about that energy of like letting go and losing yourself. It's more just the actual physical experience. So a lot of times when I'm talking to a a pleasure seeker type, they won't even really understand this model because they're like, sex is just about feeling good. Like it's not more complicated than that. Right. Um, So that's, that's the pleasure seeker. And then we have the romantic where sex is all about connection and really wanting to experience like true emotional intimacy with your partner. Love it. And then our last two are the spiritualist. So spiritualist is really engaged in the emotion or the energetic experience of sex. And for the spiritualist, sex feels like a way that they can connect to some sort of higher purpose or higher power where sex can really feel like a transcendent experience. And Beautiful. then rounding out the uh, the 11, we have the thrill seeker. So thrill seekers really like sex that has that element of feeling kind of forbidden or taboo, maybe playing with different, you know, power play elements. But it's, um, it's another one to contrast with the explorer. So the explorer is more about just being able to explore anything and everything under the sun. But for the thrill seeker, it's really more about wanting to feel that, that thrill, that element of something feeling a little bit forbidden or taboo. I love it. When I when I listen to these 11 sexual personality types, first of all, I have a ton of questions. I can see how, <laughs> you know, it can help us to better understand one another. And mm-hmm. I can see how it can help us to better understand what our partner wants, but also struggles that might be specific yes. uh, to specific personalities. But most importantly, uh, I really see all of these 11 types as as dimensions to explore. Mm-hmm. So even if you tend to be more of, for example, a giver, how much could you learn from being a fair trader? Because I often talk about how important it is to learn to receive. Now, that doesn't mean yeah. things need to be 50-50. Or, for example, the pleasure seeker. Um, you know, I run into so many clients like this. I wonder what could they learn if they were to, you know, speak to or engage with a spiritualist. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is, I I can just see, you know, it's sort of like when we think of the five love languages, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you might have a dominant one, you might have a secondary one, but it's unlikely that you dismiss the other three or four. So Brandon, I'm going to ask you, Brandon, which which one of these 11 personality types appeals to you, or do you have a totally different one? <laughs> no, I, I think I see myself in a few of them. Hey, let me actually. give you, I took some notes. You and took notes. I actually have to remind people that, so you're giving us a very Cole's Notes version. It's all available on your website. You have a free guide to the sexual sexuality personality types, mm-hmm. and your website, uh, are your it's your initials, Vanessa Marin, so VM therapy v as in victor m as in mother <laughs> therapy.com it's my dream to get to know the the alphabet that they use in the airplane like you know oh, when you when yeah, they're always yeah. alpha beta you know that's as far as it's i got definitely v as in victor i know that <laughs> v as in victor yeah. k as in kayak and i'm it's so funny when you have to do one like j as in 
Uh, I know. Yeah, I always do that when I'm trying to talk to somebody over the phone and just end up stuttering over it. Yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah, we I, have. Um, yeah, we have a full guide available, and we even have a quiz that you can take to identify which type is yours. But yeah, it goes into much more detail about what are the strengths that you have at that type, what are some of the challenges that might come up for you. But absolutely, this is really you know meant to give us a framework for exploration and saying, yeah, maybe I've always thought of sex as being this one thing, but hey, there are all these other possibilities of what it could be. I love that. I love that. So, baby, I got to know. Put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. What, what's okay. your sexuality? I mean, immediately, I, I think uh, I, I see a bit of, well, I see giver as part of who I, how I would identify guardian as how I would identify mm-hmm. decompressor as how I would identify. But then, interestingly, there are other times and other situations where I feel like I have been, I, I could see other personality or sexual types that I would fall into mm-hmm. um, like the explorer or not frequently but I could think of situations where I've felt that way or the thrill seeker but uh, I would say the three that you know the decompressor the giver and the guardian what about you me oh okay well, or do we... you want me to tell you <laughs> <laughs> well let's let's start with you so uh, the decompressor certainly uh, not only do I see you using sex to decompress uh, but also you you tend to need to be de-stressed in order to get in the yes, mood for sex. I would agree with that. Right? Mm-hmm. And and Vanessa, actually, this, this uh, model aligns with one of the approaches that I use, which refers to your core erotic feeling and your mm-hmm. elevated erotic feeling, meaning like the feelings that you need to experience in order to have sex and in order to take sex to the next level. I see them yeah. fitting really nicely. Uh, what was the other one you said, Brandon? The Guardian? Uh, the Guardian, yeah. Yes, certainly. And then the Giver. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the giver is such an interesting one because so many people, I think, want a partner who's a giver. But also, I think we can run into challenges when your partner's pleasure becomes predicated on yours, and you must oh, see yes. that in your practice. <laughs> like you, you, you have a whole course online on learning to orgasm, and you must hear from these. I think it's it's mostly for women mm-hmm. who who say that part of why they can't orgasm is because there's so much damn pressure mm-hmm. to orgasm from a partner. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely tend to see givers tend to be very heavily skewed towards male, um, which is really interesting because I think that, you know, we have stereotypes about men as being um, selfish in the bedroom or all about them. But I really do see a lot of men who are very wrapped up in this idea of being able to give. And all of these types exist on a spectrum too. So there are definitely givers who are really altruistic in their giving and genuinely get excited about, you know, seeing their partner experience pleasure. Um, and then there are givers who it, it actually is more of an egotistical type of thing. Like I want to see you experiencing pleasure so I can feel like I've done a really good job. Um, so it's, yeah, all kinds of different things can come up around it. But I think Brandon also brought up a really good point too, that these can be very context specific or situational as well. And it can give us a good vocabulary to talk about uh, sex with. So maybe you could say to your partner, I'm really looking for some decompressor style sex tonight. Like it's been a long day. I need to blow off some steam versus maybe there's a different night where you're looking for some more romantic type of sex. Oh, I really like that. And I think number two, the prioritizer is so important because I don't think that couples have fulfilling or frequent enough for themselves sex in long-term relationships unless you make it a priority. Like it just doesn't happen on its own. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you on that one. And so that type is really important for me to to be able to share in the model too, because again, we have a lot of stereotypes about sex that it's supposed to be spontaneous and effortless and natural. And I really wanted another outlet to be able to talk about the fact that it requires a lot of active and ongoing effort. And that's okay. We don't need to, you know, make sex seem like this terrible thing if we have to do things like scheduling it or carving the time out, you know, in our lives for it. It's, it's actually a sign that we value ourselves and our partners and our sex lives and we're willing to make that kind of commitment. Right, and I think we have this false assumption that in the beginning, sex just occurred naturally and it was so spontaneous. But mm-hmm. <laughs> really, you got groomed, you got dressed, you met up, you carved time out, you went on a date, you left the rest of the evening open. All of these components really were you know, tantamount to scheduling sex. It may not be the same as as it looks in a long-term relationship, but the only time sex happens is when you prioritize it. So how, how do you teach people to prioritize sex? I think it starts with just doing that normalization. And this is one of my favorite topics to talk about because so many people will tell me, you know, no, we just want it to be spontaneous. We just want it to feel natural. (laughs) We don't want to feel awkward about it. And so it's really important to me to be able to, and I'm so glad that you guys are doing this too, you know, to be able to talk about the fact that we have always had to prioritize sex. It's just the way that we look at the effort that we put into is so different. So when you're at that beginning of a relationship, you know, you're having foreplay with each other for for days. You know, if you have like a, a date schedule in the calendar, you're thinking about it all week long. You're preparing for it. You're picking your outfit. You're going to the gym, you're, you know, all this stuff. And we look at that as being the most fun part of an early relationship. You know, just all that effort that we go into getting ourselves so excited excited about spending time together. And so it's not until relationships progress that we start getting really down on having to take that time, making that effort, getting ourselves all psyched up. And so it's not that the effort has changed, it's just our attitudes about the effort. But if we can give ourselves a little attitude readjustment and recognize, you know, I used to love doing all of this stuff and, you know, allow yourself to get back into it. It can really just completely change what your sex life looks like and feels like. I feel like you're getting off scot-free here without talking about <laughs> Jess, that is. I should, I should clarify as to what, how, where you see yourself on this spectrum of... Okay. So I definitely see you, Brandon. No, no, no. No, I'll, I'll go to you. I just want to say that I see that you're a, prior, I see that you're a prioritizer. Um, and I think you and I have become prioritizers because pre these, these you know, grounded pandemic times, I was gone every week and I was flying every week. And I'm sure we've talked about this before that if I came home for a night or two nights, even if I was exhausted, even if we weren't in the mood, even if we weren't feeling connected, we would just make it happen. And I sort of see for us being prioritizers as being the foundation for the rest of these potential explorations. So I'll I'll begin there. Um, I am certainly a, a pleasure seeker. Let's just call it the the one personality that's missing here, the greedy one. <laughs> um, I think I'm definitely a pleasure seeker. I just, I can get, and then I also am a passion pursuer in that I love that feeling of letting go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that uh, certainly I, I can be at times an explorer, but I think that that piece has been missing for me for a while. Uh, I think that maybe we haven't taken as much time and energy as we potentially could to to explore. And I put that on me, not on you. Uh, you know, romantic, I'm not really a romantic 
and maybe I could work on that a little. Uh, certainly, I'm a thrill seeker, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I think about my core erotic feeling, um, I guess it kind of falls into passion and pleasure. But when I think about elevated, it's definitely thrill seeker, the forbidden, the subversive. And, you know, I've talked about that a lot before that, you know, we have this safety and love and comfort in our relationship. And I wouldn't trade that for the world in life. But it's also not like the panty dropper for me. I need some sort of (laughs) I need some sort of risk. So I I see Mm -hmm. myself in so many of these, but also um, where I see myself absent to me, it's a reminder that maybe these are areas I could explore a little more. So mm-hmm. I find this really useful as a model to better understand myself and maybe better communicate my needs to you. But also I see it as a sexual menu so that maybe I should say, you know what, I, I need to focus on number one, the explorer a little more, or I'm interested a little bit more in the spiritualist that that needs to take that I could perhaps give a little time to. Yeah, I would agree with pretty much everything that you've said. And I think the prioritization is something that again just we do but it doesn't it really lacks the sexiness that you commented on or everybody will say it's like oh I don't Vanessa you were saying that people don't want to prioritize Mm -hmm. sex because it doesn't it's not it doesn't seem natural but I also think like it's never I grew up in an environment where it was just never talked about like we didn't talk about sex and prioritizing it so the idea of making it a focal point of what you're going to do weekly daily monthly whatever uh, there are so many benefits that you could reap from just setting aside some time to make it a part of your life if you choose to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like this. I encourage everyone to go to vmtherapy.com and check it out and try the quiz. And uh, I also want to talk to you because I have you for a few more minutes. I'd really love to chat with you about your online finishing school. So you have an online course uh, that folks who have maybe never had an orgasm or really struggle to have an orgasm. Basically, if you need to learn how to orgasm, finishing school is where you go. So this is learn how to have your very first orgasm on your own, how to have powerful orgasms with a partner, how to connect with your body in new ways and feel more confident. Uh, I encourage people definitely to check out this program online. And I'm wondering if you can share some advice here for people who have difficulty having an orgasm. Yeah, I'm so glad that you want to talk about it because finishing school is my baby. I'm so passionate about this course. And, you know, really where it came from for me was I had my own struggles with my orgasm. And even as I was training to become a sex therapist and, you know, trying to figure this out on my own and looking for good resources, I just got so frustrated with seeing the same kind of advice over and over again, which was basically just relax, just let it happen, don't think about it. And I tried my hardest to do all of those things and that never magically produced an orgasm for me. So I really, you know, once I finally figured it out for myself, I really wanted to make sure that no other woman had to go through that same sort of experience ever again and to actually have like practical, actionable, step-by-step system for learning how to orgasm rather than just this very vague and unhelpful advice. So I think the first thing that I would say to people is, you know, if you're struggling with your orgasm, whether you've never had one or you can on your own but not with a partner, 
really just understanding that this is so normal and so common and it's for the exact reasons that I just shared you know made it so hard for me is that there just aren't resources out there um, we're taught to believe that it's just supposed to happen <laughs> you know like so much else about sex is a, definitely a running theme there um, but uh, yeah so just understand that it's you know it's completely normal and common and that you are not hopeless um, you've never just been given the tools that you need to learn how to orgasm but that doesn't mean that you're incapable of having orgasms that you're not that you're broken or you know something's horribly wrong with you so just really you know coming from a place of trying to normalize the hell out of the struggles that so many women have because I've you know pretty much every woman who's ever signed up for finishing school had said I can't believe this even exists I thought I was the only woman out there who struggles with orgasm so there's this you know really horrible feeling of being alone in it so that's definitely what I want to 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 pass on is that you're not alone at all and there are practical actionable tools that you can learn to figure out how to get there and in your program you have 14 modules then you walk them (laughs) through what are some of these practical actionable tools so folks hopefully can go explore the program but you know maybe they can even just start something tonight I mean I see you talk about how to break down you know blockages in your mind blockages in Mm -hmm. your body, new ways to masturbate. You talk about, you know, the Goldilocks method, priming your body for pleasure. (laughs) Uh, Uh Can you leave us with a few uh, approaches people might try on their own? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot in finishing school. I'm obviously very passionate about it and uh, wanted to cram everything that I could in there. Um, so one thing that we can that I can share is really to talk about masturbation. Um, I'm such a big fan of talking about masturbation and really trying to take away the shame around female masturbation that we've all been taught to have. So from my perspective, masturbation is the absolute best way to learn how to have orgasms with your partner and obviously on your own. Um, A lot of women want to just be able to start having orgasms with their partner, but it's really important for you to get a sense of your own body and to connect with your body and figure out what brings it pleasure. So there are, I can give you four different um, specific variables that you can explore with masturbation. Because again, a lot of women have heard the advice to masturbate, but then all you hear is, you know, just go do it. (laughs) And women say, well, yeah, but like how, what do I do? So there are four um, different variables that I think are really important to explore. First one is getting a sense of whether you like direct clitoral stimulation or indirect clitoral stimulation. So most women tend to fall in one of those two camps where either you like directly, you know, touching the surface of your clitoris with your fingers, with a toy, um, or you like working around your clitoris. For a lot of women, the direct stimulation is a little bit too intense. So that's a really great um, dynamic to explore. The next one to explore is the amount of pressure that you like. So a lot of women don't realize that the clitoris is very, very sensitive. And so you don't often need a ton of pressure, um, but we definitely have ranges. So for some women, even just lightly touching the surface of the clitoris is going to feel way too intense. For other women, they can use, you know, really intense like Hitachi magic wand on full power on their clitoris and it, you know, just barely feels like enough. So really trying to get a sense of what level of pressure feels good for your body. Um, The next one is speed. So once you figure out, um, you know, a a stroke that you like, uh, a level of pressure that you like, figuring out um, how you want to, how fast you want to be moving. So again, a really wide variety. Some people like very slow, gentle movements. Others like much faster, you know, more intense. 
Um, and then finally, it's honing in on a specific stroke that feels good for you. Um, so what I've found is that a lot of women when they start exploring masturbation, they feel like they need to be like switching it up every few seconds and trying all these different things. And in reality, what works best, especially when you're first learning how to orgasm, is just consistent stimulation. So finding a very simple stroke, it could be something like just gliding um, diagonally across the surface of your clitoris. Maybe it's going in circles around your clitoris, but finding one specific stroke to practice with, and then you can really play with honing in on those other dynamics even more. So playing around with the pressure a little bit, playing around with the speed a little bit. But those four variables are definitely going to help you really hone in on what it is that your body responds to. I love how specific you're getting. I, and that's what I really like about your work. And I look at this, you know, 14 module course, and you're just talking about a <laughs> tiny little piece of one tiny section. So certainly, you know, I, I receive so many yeah. questions from people who have difficulty having an orgasm or who have never had one. So I highly encourage them to check this out. Now, um, you know, before we let you go, any words of wisdom for just generally improving your sex life? So beyond looking at the 11 sexual personality types, which is, I think, which I think is a great place to start, uh, where else would you recommend people begin? Is there a conversation? Is there a technique? Is there an approach that you'd like them to consider? You know, for me, pretty much all of sex boils down to being able to talk about it. Um, I just think the conversations that we have about sex are so important and so powerful. And it might sound simple, but, you know, we have all been taught to be ashamed and embarrassed of sex. And for a lot of people, just saying that word, you know, can feel very powerful. So whenever I do sessions with clients, whenever people take my courses, that's some of the feedback that I get most often is, you know, just being able to talk about this stuff say these things out loud was so powerful absolutely so I think yeah really just being getting more comfortable talking about sex we also have a free guide on our website all about how to talk about sex um, even if you never have before um, but even if it's just starting on your own getting more comfortable you know saying certain words and phrases and if you're in a relationship you know starting to talk to your partner and it doesn't need to be anything crazy or complicated maybe it's as simple as as saying hey I listened to this really great podcast today you know would you want to listen to the episode with me or do you want to check out this personality types quiz with me I love I love that I love the giving of resources because uh, Mm -hmm. people will say how do I start the conversation I'm like well how do you talk about anything you say I I saw it on tv or I read it in a magazine we don't have (laughs) to make my favorite (laughs) yeah Yeah, I love the old uh I found something really interesting on the internet today what do you think about this it's just such a such an easier way to open up a conversation exactly and it kind of it gives you a moment to gauge your partner's reaction so uh, Mm -hmm. thank you for that and yes obviously people have to talk about sex so I would say most folks who are listening already talk about sex can you leave us with one question or prompt they could consider this evening with themselves or with their partner or partners Ooh, that's such a good one um yeah, I would. Well, maybe we can kind of stick in uh, in the realm of the sex personality types and, and try to think about, you know, what is it that makes sex amazing for you? So the personality types can be a great jumping off point, but you can explore this in, you know, in so many different ways, too. It might be the, the what are the actual logistics of what you guys do? Um, what are the emotions of what you want to experience before, during and after sex? What's the kind of energetic exchange or energy? 
energetic state that you want to be. But if you had to, sometimes I like thinking about, you know, if you had to describe to an alien what it is that you're looking to experience during sex, or you really had to break it down for somebody who just doesn't even know what sex is, you know, how would you describe it? So I think that can be such a fun way to push yourself to dig even more deeper into even more detail. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us. Really appreciate it. Folks, you can find much more about Vanessa along with her courses and a number of free resources and guides at vmtherapy.com. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's such an honor to get to be on your podcast. All right, Bay. Well, I don't think we can go without talking about what sex means to us. What makes sex amazing for you? Describe it to an alien. I like, I was just laughing to myself thinking about describing it. So I think the actual process, it's like, you're going to tickle this flap of skin. It's going to grow heterosex. You, hang on. I'm going to just call your penis a flap of skin? <laughs> well, I mean, how's an, how's an alien going to look at this? I've got this dangling bit of skin. <laughs> you're going to tickle me. It's going to go up. <laughs> I'm going to hop on top of... This person, I'm going to put it in. I'm going to flop flop around a whole bunch. Hang on. You're talking way too dirty. I'm getting yeah, excited. You, you like that? Is tickle that, my that, skin. Tickle I'll flop around on top skin. of you. And then I'll make some weird noises. And then... What does your noise sound like? I think we'll leave that for another episode. <laughs> um, well, yeah, okay. That was hilarious. I like that. So if we take it more seriously, um, what does make sex amazing for you? I love the the decompression element that we talked about. I don't think, I mean, I felt that way before. That's how I want to feel when we're done. During sex, I want to feel, obviously, I mean, who doesn't want to feel like desired? But I mean, that's what I'm looking to feel during and then before much the same. Um, that's kind of what comes to mind initially about what I want to feel. And I'm going to save everyone here from the descriptions of what the actual act is going to look like. You already said it, flopping around on top well, of Well, yeah, me. I mean that too. I mean, I explained it. As long yeah. as I don't have to do any flopping around, I'm good. You're good, yeah. Uh, I, what makes sex amazing for me? So before, it's the excitement of what it's going to feel like. Uh, and I'd like to feel desired. And during, it, it's definitely the escape. It's the, hmm. you know, like not worrying about anything else that has been on my mind. Just really, I like being in the moment. And it's not always easy. But that's, I was going to say, I think you do a great job of escaping and really focusing in on what you feel. You mean at the at the detriment of what you feel? <laughs> yeah. Not, no, not at all. I mean, uh, uh, we described how I see myself, a sexual personality. And I do think that, you know, the guardian and the giver and the decompressor, I mean, I take pleasure in that. And if I were to dive even deeper into like, what is it about being a giver that really does it for me? I mean, there is an egotistical part to that. Um, There's certainly an altruistic part to that as well that I genuinely do enjoy. Um, Do you struggle if I don't have an orgasm though? Not struggle, but does it make you feel unfulfilled? um, It's... Yeah, I'm sure a part of it does. I want, I really do genuinely enjoy when I see that you're enjoying it. And I'm not just saying that to stroke my ego or anything like that. Like I am aroused by seeing you aroused. So for me, that definitely does it for me. And when I know that it's not working, honestly, I want to try harder or in a different way or do something differently depending on 
what you're responding to so that you do enjoy it. Does that take you out of the moment at all or you're totally good with that? Like it's something you just really enjoy? I think I really enjoy that. I have a hard time losing myself in the moment. We've talked about this before, given the, you know, this, just our living arrangement. Sometimes I have a really hard time uh, just focusing in on the moment. So for me, I, I mean, I have to work on it. And I, what I like about all these different options is that you can, I can see myself in different environments, really enjoying different aspects of what each one offers. And I, I appreciate uh, the before, during, after perspective. That's something I often ask when we're talking about core erotic feeling, because before I want to feel desired, during, I just want to feel in the moment, in my body, and I want to feel good. <laughs> and and then after, I want to feel I feel, I don't know if I want to feel, but I feel close and connected. And I love that feeling. Like you notice I like you more after sex, right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's like definitely a different person sometimes. No, I wouldn't say that. But, you know, the before, during, after for me, it's I want to be excited. I want to be desired. And then after, I don't know that I necessarily want the connection. I mean, I enjoy the connection. I just enjoy feeling decompressed after. I feel like you want to feel asleep. Yeah. Well, or it, it, it's not even that I want to feel asleep. It's just... I don't feel the need to necessarily kind of relish the moment after. I enjoy the the release element. And you're done. I'm done. Yeah, less of an afterglow for you. What are you saying? I don't have the afterglow. No, no. Sometimes I just want you to like stay in bed or hold me or want to not let go of me. But that's not you. That's not. I mean, you'll do it if I ask. But also going through this exercise right now identifies a lot of what it is that you're looking for and it will hopefully when I think about what you've just said make things easier or better for me the next time we are going to have sex I know what you want and I commented on you know the in August in August yes it's next on the calendar for August you talk about prioritizing right now and in the midst of everything that's been going on um, globally even and then on top of all of that the pandemic I'm like there it's been hard at times to make sex something that you you know to really enjoy it to its full capacity when you've got a lot of other things on your mind and prioritizing sex sometimes means for me you know having sex forcing myself and I shouldn't use the word forcing but encouraging myself to get into the mood when I may not my knee-jerk reaction is not to do it yeah and we talk about that often that desire is not necessarily spontaneous it is something that you have to cultivate and you know the research says that the dsm-5 diagnosis of desire and arousal disorders has been combined for women and, and hopefully it will be combined for men or maybe we'll just move away from the binary altogether which would be lovely too so yeah i appreciate this discussion babe thanks for chatting with me yeah thank you and i want to say thanks to our sponsor let's get checked be sure to check them out uh, especially if you are sexually active they offer a range of sexual health tests from chlamydia to gonorrhea to hiv to syphilis uh, and then they have specific tests for women in terms of hormones and men as well as well as overall wellness kits you know you can test your vitamin thyroids folate liver all of those things they mail you the kit you give them a sample you mail it back in a prepaid package and then you get your results confidentially online so that's letsgetchecked.com and please use code dr jess at checkout for a discount and also so that they know that you've been listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. And please, if, you, if you're if you a new person listening, please subscribe. Feel free to share with your friends. Appreciate your time today. And thanks for chatting with me, babe. Thank you. All right. We'll be back next Friday with a whole new episode. 
You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. <laughs> 